you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 162. Hi. Hello. Okay, I'm here with Lindsay. Lindsay works with me. She's my number two. She is my membership manager for Mastermind Parenting, and she's a mom in the trenches, so I'm always studying, Lindsay. I'm always studying all of the people that I work with because I. it's very hard to reverse engineer a process. I've been telling Lindsay this. Uh, it's hard to reverse engineer a process. So it was like I knew I had figured something out. And then to sort of, I don't know, take the the steps out of it and teach it to other people for me has been one of the most challenging things. And now that I have older kids, I'm always sort of noticing how my approaches and my tools and the way that I teach them affect other people. And Lindsay is my membership manager because I made a decision after hiring different people over the years who either weren't moms or didn't know mastermind parenting, weren't familiar with the process. I was like, that's it. I'm only hiring people for the team who fully understand what we're doing here. And Lindsay was a mom and she was living it and super coachable. And just, I don't know, you can speak for yourself. Like you were just drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I mean, I had been trying to help my son for such a long time that, you know, once I tried a few things out and saw the positive changes happening, I knew that I was on the right track because I had been on the wrong track for quite some time. Well, and, you know, so she was just like... Yeah, she was, she'd gone to all the, you know, specialists and the, I mean, we were just talking about someone we know who recently had a baby and she just, every single thing she runs by her pediatrician and that is our culture. You know, when you're having a new baby and when you have a kid with things you're worried about, you go to the pediatrician, like that's your point person. And we have several pediatricians that we work with that are in our program and they've told us that they don't receive behavior training, you know, so when you say to your pediatrician, my kid's doing X, Y, and Z, they're going to refer you out. And then you find yourself going down the rabbit hole, as many of us did, going to specialist after specialist after specialist. Well, right. I'm laughing because at the beginning, you, she started with saying it took her a long time to like put the process together in your reverse engineering. And I always say to you, like, how in the world did you figure it out so easily? Because... But it wasn't so easy. Right. You always say it wasn't so easy because by the time I arrived, you had already figured out a lot a of it. Lot. Well, a lot. But the thing is, is that I think I figured it out because I'm a rebel tendency and I knew that I would try lots of things. But the minute, I mean, it's actually a problem. You heard Naomi recently in our, we had a meeting, a business meeting with our marketing uh, person who helps us. And she was like, okay, we're going to try this approach and we're not going to pivot 
when we, you know, before we give it time to work, because that's me, I'm such a pivoter. I'm like, okay, I'll try, I'll try anything. And when I don't see results, I'll just pivot and pivot and pivot. And that is how I ultimately figured this out. And sometimes you have to stick with the process and pivoting too early is detrimental. All my pivoting was done before meeting you and doing this work. It was pivot after pivot after pivot or people being like, either I can't help you anymore. You need somebody else or y'all are good. See you later. Right. Or like, uh uh-oh, something's really wrong. You need to go. Right. Check out this. Go to this, go to this therapist and that therapist. And we like a lot of therapists. But if you're not doing things at home yourself, then it's like one hour a week and it's not going to affect huge changes. So I've been studying Lindsay lately because, well, I'm always studying Lindsay, but she's been, you know, on this ride for a while and um, really just stuck with figuring out what's going on with her son. She has three sons, but her, one of her sons is the one that she has been, you know, the most worried about. And he's 10 now, 10, he's almost 11, almost 11. And so- can we talk about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's fine. So there's and a lot we've noted. I've heard this is pretty common, but there's a chronic bedwetting issue and his body literally just doesn't receive the signal to get up and go to the bathroom or to hold it all night. And so this has been over a decade of an issue. And I was even given a prescription medication for him to try that stops the fluid. I don't really understand, but it stops the process of peeing. And I was so freaked out about summer camp that I actually, you know, got the script and filled it. And even, I think they gave it to him either once or twice until I found out that the side effects were like some, maybe a brain bleed of some sort could happen if you drink water too close to bedtime. I was like, oh my God, I'm sending him off to sleepaway camp. No. I called David. I was like, throw that in the trash now. And so, yeah, it's been chronic. And, um, (laughs) The biggest gift was when a few years back you gave me the blessing of bringing back the pull up. Oh yeah, Cause, yeah, because it was like a it was like changing sheets every single morning, and I was worried that if I brought the pull up back, like that would stall his progress. And I remember when it shifted to like, dude, you're awesome. Like, let's just give it a rest and we'll revisit it. <laughs> but his little it was body, like a year of pull ups, and it was like he finally was like. <gasps> Thank you, Mama. Like, it just took the pressure off, and it was great. I was like, he's he doesn't want to be wetting his bed every night. But we're back there. Right. I mean. Because we're back in um, no pull-ups and back in the bed wetting once again. Mm-hmm. So that kind of brings us to present time of taking, I think it was like an eight and a half. We put the pull-up back on for a year, and then he went to sleepaway camp, so we were like, okay, we're done. We're going to give it a go again. And yeah, here we are. And we recently just found out through a local dentist office, a dentist. She was the one who connected a bunch of dots and really looked at Daniel's mouth and how his tongue, uh, all of the function of the mouth and um, not to go in reverse order, but like we had been dropouts of going to therapy for a while Mm -hmm. once he was doing better and feeling better and not depressed and less anxious so we got our household better like we stopped he stopped going to therapy because it wasn't necessary and so when the dentist this awesome dentist was like he needs speech the first time she told me I don't even remember but it was the second time she recommended it that I was like what because the first time I was like no no we're therapy dropouts because it was traumatic for my child taking him to therapy because I 
the is it the tiger mom or you were just fix- I was you trying, were just trying to, to fix it yeah. I was trying to fix him which is what created a bigger problem because he was so dysregulated he wasn't getting the right amount of sleep it was just like a whole host of issues and so then of course he had behavior issues he's highly sensitive and he felt our irritation a- and after a full day of school he's exhausted he's taking in stimuli at a heightened degree as a highly sensitive little person his nervous system is like you know vibrating like you know, out of whack. And then he's being schlepped to therapy appointments. And so he was, you know, Lindsay tells a story about how she would, you know, he, they go to the therapy appointments and then afterwards the kid has to wait. And while the therapist debriefs the mom and he would like stick his fingers in Lindsay's ears so hard, like, and then get in trouble for it by the therapist. You know, it took me a while to figure out even what that meant. Cause I was just used to angry meltdowns all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And he would stick his fingers in our ears and all behaviors communication. Like literally he was a little kid that if he had had the language, he would have been like, mom, you're trying to fix me. I'm already exhausted. Then you're schlepping me to this therapy appointment. And now you want me to wait so you can get debriefed. Why don't you tell the lady to send you an email? You know, like, he's but like he, don't talk about me. But he didn't. Yeah. He was like, don't talk about me. Don't talk about me. And normally we just focus on that behavior. But really these insightful little beings are saying, you're not doing what I need. Please keep trying to figure this out. And so yeah, but I didn't know that. No, you didn't. And so, so anyway, as Lindsay's learned and, and changed things and really helped him to come out of this place of defensiveness and be more connected to her. And she doesn't, she would, you know, now you would never like you listen to the signals that he's giving you. And so it's just not an issue anymore. So he's, obviously gotten a lot more cooperative and oh yeah and he's just you know it's just night and day difference but this bed chronic bedwetting thing has been an ongoing issue and that was the one piece so the dentist starts talking about the airway and speech and I'm I was like didn't give her a chance to talk because sometimes what did you say I can get excited (laughs) and I'm like rambly yeah it happens and just you know what is it the white what? parts, the dark parts. You got to love all of me. Yeah. All the parts. Um, all but, the parts. Um, yeah. Where was I saying? So you, so, <laughs> so anyway, so finally you're getting somewhere oh, yeah. and you, you, I mean, it started with getting a proper evaluation by a neurologist, then going to this dentist, which she's sort of a holistic type dentist, right? Like I never, of, yeah, apparently. Cause she's like, the mouth isn't working. And I finally was like, why does he need to go to speech? She's like, his tongue isn't working. I was like, oh yeah. Back in the day when he went to OT, he went to cognitive behavioral therapy play group he went to psychology um he went yeah. to psychology wait for years what's that you mean psychological counseling like it was a organized play group mm-hmm. so back in the day his tongue used to sit outside of his mouth and it did get corrected in speech but we didn't realize that there were actually areas of his tongue that have to be clipped that were restricting the movement and she's like a lot of times that can cause problems with sleep and i was like oh yeah i mean you mean like bedwetting? And she's like, yeah, exactly. And ADHD symptoms. And I was like, tell me more. I was like, what do you mean? And it was this crazy process where she sent me to a dentist that specializes in airway health, which is, this is trendy. All of these professionals told me this is trendy. This is new that some of this research is kind of hot and, and new, like people are really learning that when you're not breathing at night, how it can affect your sleep cycle. It can cause things like bedwetting. There's a medical name for it. I don't know off the top of my mind. And a lot of times when your mouth and tongue and all of that isn't working, you don't sleep well. And as a result, you have ADHD symptoms. So 
Well, that's not new. I mean, the thing we know is that ADHD symptoms I, and sleep deprivation are that's the same. Like and, the airway. I mean, like I've been setting. raising hell about that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, why when you go to the pediatrician and you're explaining that the teachers are saying your kid has a hard time focusing, the other kids are able to control themselves and raise their hand and wait to be called on, and your kid can't, and your kid's so different, and shame and shame and shame and shame and shame. Um they, they probably have ADHD. Why isn't anyone saying, tell me about their sleep hygiene? Well, let's take it back a step, sister. And why isn't with a little baby, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, those were the ages he had surgery to get tubes in his ears. And nobody looked at his tongue. What we know about tongues that don't work well, what I know now is that saliva, you swallow, duh. But when your tongue doesn't push the saliva down, it causes pooling. He didn't really have infections. He had three sets of tubes because he had chronic fluid in his ears. And so he would have the tubes and sometimes it would drain clear. Sometimes it would drain yellow. One time on an airplane, it drained green with it out in my hand. TMI. Yeah. But you changed the ratings of this. I know, but well, that's not, it is. That's not explicit. It's just TMI for me because you're making me squeamish. If I had to be squeamish, I feel like you The green fluid, like really? And he remembers it. And the the not funny thing is that in addition to these ear tubes that did the job, he was left with a hole in his ear and had to have this pretty dramatic, traumatic for him and me. Uh, where they like had to remove the skin okay, from behind okay, his ear. Okay, okay, but I'm saying okay. like, okay, so my point. <laughs> the medical stuff. I know, it was just, it was, I was just like remembering Well, it. the bottom and line is he has to have a phrenectomy, right? He has to have a phrenectomy. And if he had had a phrenectomy when he was two, he wouldn't have had any well, If he had had a, I, nowadays, I mean, my niece had this. She was having a hard time latching when she was a newborn baby. And, you know, she's six. So there's, if you're, if you're with a medical professional that stays up to date on what the latest and greatest, you know, just different remedies are, you get sent to the right specialist. And my and my niece, it was, I think they had to actually drive, they were maybe, I think they had to go to Dallas actually to like to another city to find, to go to this specific surgeon that would, you know, be able to operate on her. And it was the exact same thing that her tongue wasn't doing what it needed to do for her to latch on. And so they, they were able to find this out when she was a teeny tiny baby. So now we're a decade. That's the gory details. The right. decade. So now we're a decade in and he basically has to have a procedure that now, but back 10 years ago, maybe this just wasn't as common knowledge. Right. So that, so we're going to give a little bit of a hall pass there. Right. And we're going to try to now what we want you guys to to hear from this whole experience is if you have a chronic bedwetter, if you, if there's just some medical issues that you have, you're just like, we can't totally figure this out. Um, we want you to dig deeper. Like, that's what I, like, Lindsay has had no quit. And I was the same. Like, I did a bunch of, like, bullshit thing. I mean, I tried anything that I don't, I don't think Alec remembers, but sometimes I just tell him about some of the, you know, cockamamie things that we did. But We had no quit. And so what I want to encourage anyone listening to this to do is like keep at it. If your intuition and your gut is saying we're just skimming the surface, we're not getting to the root of the issue. And or if you think that you're solving the problem, but then there's a bunch of other problems that are popping up, it's because you're you're maybe getting there, but you're not there yet. And so now where you've gotten to is, oh, so he has to have this procedures that this procedure that a lot of newborn babies have or little tiny babies have called a phrenectomy. And when his tongue is able to sit in the right 
place in his mouth and then it affects how he swallows. It affects how he breathes. It'll affect how he sleeps. And so, um, so one of the places, so Lindsay did all this on her own. She was just, you know, had no quit finding the right specialist. And then it came time to it's what you just said, the time. It was so weird. The timing is what's crazy because I do have a little resentment and anger about the loss of time, mm-hmm. about all of the issues we had to overcome without the lack of knowledge. And maybe that's just, I will let that go because I know it's not going to serve me. But the crazy shit is that if it had been any sooner, we wouldn't be where we are. Because he was 10, he had three years of getting out of defense zone and was in a place of cooperation, confidence, Mm. cooperation, Um, felt better about himself, wasn't so angry on the inside, finally felt understood, didn't need to stick his fingers in your ears because you follow his lead. This time, not only was the timing right to begin all of these intensive therapies where they are working inside of his mouth and stretching his tongue. And for y'all that have highly sensitive kids, I mean, I don't think any kid wants someone in their mouth like that, but highly sensitive kids, I mean, forget it. Like two weeks ago was the first time that this amazing chiropractor went in his mouth and he was being a total highly sensitive person, like eating her and licking her and telling her (laughs) yummy, yummy, yummy. He did that for two weeks. And then I finally was like, PS, we're going in. That's not an option. Mm -hmm. And today he had his session and she was like, He allowed me to do things in such a more intense way before I would put a little pressure, a little this and that. And he was resistance. And today he allowed so much more. She's like, because everything in his head is where it's supposed to be. And she's like, his nervous system is just slowly calming. And so she's like, he let me. And I was like, so cool. See his nervous system. I mean, these are this, these are the things it's like, we think that kids acting out, we need to you know, attack the behavior with admonishment or with other behaviors. But the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of times it's that they're trying to tell us there's something going on with my body. If I knew how to explain it or express it to you in any other way, a way that was more productive, I would do that. But they don't know how. And as a parent who has a child and as a parent who's trying to figure that out and in the that process, it is a very hard to know where to start, I think. Yeah. Well, and then the thing, so now she knew he was going to have to have this surgery and he's had these traumatic ear surgeries that you were so kind to share the after effects with the freaking green fluid. Yeah, um, um, but legitimately he's, he's kind of traumatized from the procedures and the surgeries and the decade of bedwetting. Yeah. Well, also it's uncomfortable, you know, look, it's uncomfortable to have to go in and have a surgery and then recover from the surgery. So Lindsay was worried about, she was like, I just don't. What, what did you say? Like, I don't know, you know, how to tell. Like, well, the surgery the surgery's happening December 15th, and, you know, I don't know when. I, I kept him in the dark about what was coming at some point, which was fine because when we started speech, we didn't know how long it would take for him to gain the proper muscle strength to have the surgery. You can't just have it. You have to, I don't know, I'm not even going to try to explain. But um, you have to work up to be able to then have the surgery, and then you do the af- yeah. And then after, you got to. So work to relax it. It's going to be a process after, which is fine because he's going to be home from winter break. But you were, but what you were having I anxiety. Was like, yeah. Once I knew when the date was and I had it, I was like paralyzed with what do I do with this information? I know it. I know it's coming. I just didn't know what to do. I was like, when do I tell him? Do I tell him the day before? Do I tell him the morning of? And 
I just wasn't sure. And what I know now is that I, well, what did I say when you were like, okay, I know this surgery is a month and a half. Yeah. You were, you were, you were like, you got to tell him now. And I was like, you're crazy. I probably didn't say that, but I thought I was like, tell him now you got to plant the seed. You got to give him time. And, um, I'm sure my first few thoughts were like, yeah, right. Yeah. I think you said you were like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. And then you wanted to like change the subject and talk about, you know, something business related or whatever. (laughs) And I, and I kept going back. She steamrolled me. I steamrolled her. I kept going back to it and I was like, wait a minute, you have time to prepare him for this. You've got to, that's a gift to like prepare him. And and I remember like just feeling my heart jumping out of my chest thinking that. And what I know now is like, I've always been nervous about surgery. Like, not a little, but like a lot. Well, this is where I want to tie it in is yeah. like we can have hard conversations, but we have to know how to have them. And so you were like trying to change the subject to avoid avoid having the hard conversation. And I was like, no, let's workshop this so that you have the tools to have this hard conversation. And then you can show up respectfully for him. Like it's not respectful to tell him about a surgery the day before or the morning of. He's got trauma around surgeries. He's 10 years old. And she was so classy. She didn't tell me that. She made me figure that out on my own. She was like asking about my feelings. I'm like, (laughs) bitch, relax. (laughs) She's like, no, really. And yeah, that's what it was. I was like, continue. I think I was like, what are you worried about? And then, oh, yeah. And I was like, and then I got to on my own, I guess I'm feeling guilty Mm -hmm. that he doesn't know. And we're like whispering to the chiropractor and the speech therapist and the dentist, and everybody knows what's going on. And at this point, it's on the calendar. And so I felt bad in my body, but I didn't know why. And you helped me get to, because I'm leaving him out. Okay. That was part one of my conversation with Lindsay, where we cover. Lots of different things, and I think you guys are going to love part two because we really dig into what it looked like to go through the process and have a productive conversation and prepare her son for surgery, uh, amongst many other topics as our ADD brains just went from here to there. Uh, So look for the next podcast episode, which will be the continuation of our conversation. And in the meantime, I want you guys to go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash productive dash conversation. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash productive dash conversation. That's where I'm giving you guys my free resource so that you can start having your own productive conversations and have your plan of action and talk about all the hard things. You can do this. I've got you. And if you know that you want more support, please go to mastermindparenting.com and check out my three programs, three beginning programs so that I can start supporting you and uh, getting to know you. 